People who have accidentally caused the death of another person. What happened? When I was around four, I was inappropriately touched by my cousin who was babysitting me. I told on her, and she took her own life. I posted this before in more detail, but the truncated version is when I was 16 years old, I hit an 87-year-old man after he ran a stop sign. I was with him holding his hand when he died on the sidewalk. He had a heart attack. They weren't able to determine if he had the heart attack before the accident, which would explain why he blew through the stop sign or if he had one as a result. His family was very gracious, and I am very grateful for them. His son called me the day after it happened and told me his mom had died six months prior. His dad had been very depressed, and while they were sad he died this way, they were happy to think their parents were reunited. I was dating this girl that was a little dysfunctional due to having been a victim of CSA by her grandpa and nobody knew about it. I noticed some red flags and got her to open up and tell me about it. After we broke up, I told her mom she should stop inviting grandpa over to Thanksgiving dinners due to the essay. The mom called me a liar, but after asking the other daughters and cousins about it, they confirmed it was true and that they had all been inappropriately touched too. After word got back to grandma, she said, I'll take care of it. Fast forward a week and grandpa is dead. Apparently grandpa had a lot of serious medications he was taking and grandma messed with the dosage which killed him. His death was real natural cause and nothing ever happened to grandma. It was my mother-in-law's birthday and her daughter and son-in-law had dinner for the event at their place. My wife, three kids, and I drove out after work. As we pulled up to their cul-de-sac home in the dark, I saw something odd in the grass between the sidewalk and street near their mailbox. When I got out, an old man, about 80 years old, called over to me asking if I wouldn't mind helping him up. Said he had been out for a walk, stumbled, and been in that spot for about 45 minutes. My wife and daughters went inside the house. My then 12-year-old son stayed with me while I helped the man up. Wonderful guy, started saying this was the icing on the cake for his day, as he had fallen asleep early afternoon on his couch with a lit cigarette, which caught the couch on fire. Fire department came, put the fire out with little damage, and moved the couch to the curb when they were done. By this time, my brother-in-law had come outside with us. We walked the man back to his house about five doors down. During our trip there, he regaled us with stories of him in the Navy during the war, and I'm ashamed to say I can't remember which war he had said. He made special not to talk to my son about how wonderful it was that he was helping. Introduced himself to us as Bill, said he was the last unpaid Bill. Thought that was pretty clever. As we made to leave, he asked if we would bring his couch from the curb back up to the house for him. Not sure why he wanted it, didn't ask. So my brother-in-law and I moved the couch and set it next to the house outside of his garage. We wished Bill well, then headed back to the house for dinner. When I got in, I noticed that my shirt smelled of burnt plastic. Brother-in-law gave me a sweatshirt to change into, and we had a great birthday celebration before I and the family left about two hours later for home. Around 2.30 the next morning, our phone rang. My wife answered, and I pretended to be more asleep than I actually was so I didn't have to deal with the bad phone call in the wee early hours. They're very seldom about good things. It was the police department from the town my brother-in-law and sister-in-law lived in. They asked me questions about my activities the previous evening while I was at their house. The couch reignited and burned Bill's house down, killing him in the process. The police grilled my brother-in-law, examined his arms, then called me. I don't think I slept well for over a month afterwards and couldn't get the tragedy out of my head for a long time. I should have known from the smell on my clothes that it wasn't safe to move that couch. I should have put the pieces together, but I was just too interested in getting back to my family to celebrate. Nothing more ever came of it, but I'll never get rid of the knowledge that, if I hadn't committed to one simple action that I performed, then another human being would not have died. I was relieved when my sister-in-law and brother-in-law moved a couple of years later because I hated seeing that empty lot every time I went to their house. This was maybe 11 years ago, but to this day, about once a year around my mother-in-law's birthday, my brother-in-law and I still have a toast to the last unpaid bill. Turned left into my sister's driveway at 3am, 
A guy on a Harley was doing 60 miles per hour in a 30 with no headlight. My half-ton pickup left four feet of skid marks from being pushed back by the force. I still remember seeing him do mid-air somersaults. This was 1976. Dang, that guy was fully responsible for his own death. You just happened to be there. Lucky he didn't take you with him. It's a shame, but doubled the speed limit in the middle of the night with no lights? 100% his fault. War survivor from Chechnya 94-96 war. I told a girl, maybe 17 years old, to run out from the apartment building because I was so sure it was going to collapse. It didn't collapse, and she ran out into a hail of gunfire and died. I was so scared that I stayed in the building, and it just never collapsed the entire time, so I left out the back. I often think about that. It was such a quick decision. She was right near the door. I was on my way out because the building felt like it was shaking, and I saw her and said, run out, the roof is going to fall, and she ran out in a hurry and got blown apart by gunfire, shrieking in pain until she was hit again and presumably died. I wish I didn't tell her that, obviously. It still sort of haunts me to this day, especially her screaming. But I also know that I made the decision in goodwill, trying to save her life. And to be fair, the building really felt like it was going to collapse, and everyone was running out, not just me. Anybody would have told her to run as well. Nobody knew they were opening fire on the building. I know it sounds like lame justifications, but it is all I can think of to help ease my mind. Anybody would have done the same. I hope at least. I was supposed to meet a friend ahead to soccer practice, but he wasn't there when I got to where we were supposed to meet. I got impatient and decided to head to practice myself. He never got there, so I assumed he was sick or something. Two days later, my mom told me he got hit by a car and died after running out in the street to get a ball he was kicking while waiting for me. The timing of things seems like if I had waited just a minute longer, he wouldn't have had to wait for me and would have lived. I was driving from a friend's house last November on a road I've driven a million times. I knew one area was particularly dark at night because the city hadn't replaced the streetlights in over a decade. The dark area also crests a hill in a residential area between two crosswalks that are far apart, so people cross the road at the top of this hill. Knowing all this, I still never saw him coming. There was a huge thud and my window was cracked all the way across. I turned around and saw him lying motionless on the sidewalk. It was late and no one else was there, so it was just me, parked on a side street, and this body. I checked his pulse while I was on the phone with 911, but couldn't feel anything because I was shaking so badly. This was maybe a quarter mile from the hospital, so the paramedics were there before I even realized what happened. They put him up on a stretcher with this strange device that I later found out was to automatically compress his chest. The cops showed up, and I finally saw my car with the flashlight. There was a large chunk of flesh and blood caught on the side of my car. I passed my sobriety test and they took me home. He lived for three days before dying due to complications of the accident and was never conscious during that time. I found out through a friend of mine who's the editor at a local paper that the police were still considering charges. Also how I found out that he died. I was obviously a mess about the accident, but also the possibility of involuntary manslaughter. After the officer called me to tell me officially that he died, I consulted a lawyer and was basically told not to talk to the police again and to let them conduct their own investigation. Two grueling weeks later, I got a phone call at midnight from the officer who gave me my sobriety test. He worked third shift. He told me that the guy was incredibly intoxicated and basically stepped into oncoming traffic without paying attention. With that info, I wasn't to be charged and I could go pick my car back up. The relief I felt was indescribable, but also terrible that I could feel so great in a situation where someone died. What made that feeling the worst was that the officer told me the family of the guy were super concerned with how I was doing and that they wanted to tell me they didn't blame me. He was 24 and had just graduated college. It was his last night in town before going back to his hometown. I go to his Facebook page every once in a while just so I don't forget what he looked like. I'm at least partially responsible for three deaths. So I'm a weather forecaster. A few years ago, I was forecasting for Afghanistan. 
Now, we were doing these forecasts from a base in the States, which means we had to coordinate our forecast with someone who was deployed to Afghanistan. Sometimes the downrange forecaster was really experienced, other times they weren't. It was a mixed bag. Anyway, I had been forecasting for at least two years before this incident. I was familiar with it, and I was actually in a supervisory capacity, simply overseeing all the forecasts going out in my zone. Well, one day, I was talking with one of my forecasters about the potential for large hail and how I'd like him to put that in his forecast. Now that's a big thing to put in a forecast because of how operationally significant this is. Aircraft must be put in hangars, missions are canceled, assets must be protected, etc. So when it came time to discuss this with the downrange forecaster, he was absolutely against it. He didn't want to brief that to the commander because, again, missions have to be canceled based on what you think will happen. If you're wrong, you've set back a lot of people and wasted a lot of time. So the deployed forecaster tries to argue against it, but his reasoning really just boiled down to, I don't want to brief that. So when I wasn't looking, he essentially just pulled rank on my junior forecaster and forced him to take it out of the forecast. And so we went out to the base with no hail in it, only hinting at some vicinity thunderstorms. Well, when I noticed, I was furious, but I said, screw it, we'll let him be wrong. This was the first time I'd ever wanted to put large hail in a forecast. Maybe we were over-forecasting it. Nope. Basically, right on schedule, a huge thunderstorm popped up and dumped large hail on the base. It did a few million in damage to aircraft, injured a helipilot who was pre-flighting his bird, and killed three Afghan National Army soldiers who had left on a patrol and couldn't find any cover. They wound up beaten to death by hail. That has always bugged me. They didn't need to die. We knew the potential was there, and I basically just let an incorrect forecast go out that got them killed. Three lanes wide on my side of the street. I am in the lane closest to the middle of the street. I just get through an intersection and see a car attempting to turn in front of me into a gas station. This gas station entrance is close enough to the intersection I just went through that there is no middle section for them to wait in to turn when it is clear. They inch into my lane across a double yellow line and stop. I quickly get over to my right, one lane. They inch over into the next lane and stop again. I start to panic. Why are they stopping? What is he doing? I quickly see I can get in the far right lane and move over. This older man driving? I think he panicked. He tries to gas it past me into the gas station. I'm in a Dodge Dakota and they're in an old Chevy truck with rack seating. I slow down as much as I can but there is no time. I T-bone them and my car basically slams them into a concrete pole. I stop a couple of feet from a concrete wall myself. I get out of the car with my adrenaline on full. I'm not even sure if I'm hurt or not. I can't feel anything anyway. I stumble over to their car to see if they're okay. The looks I received from this old man and his wife still haunt me to this day. They looked at me like I was the Grim Reaper coming to claim them. Absolute horror. Blood coming down their face wondering why I did this to them as smoke from the front of their car looms over them like creeping death. The woman died later that day from her injuries at the local hospital. The man later tried to sue me but I was cleared of any legal wrongdoing based on the investigation that had taken place. They had concluded that I had done everything I could have done to avoid a collision. It was just unfortunate timing that this older gentleman made an illegal driving decision. A decision I am sure he regretted until the end of his days. I'm still messed up from this even though it was years and years ago. Getting cleared legally does nothing for one's own conscience and psyche. My vehicle, whether it was intentional or not, was used as an instrument of destruction that ended up killing a man's wife. I have PTSD flashbacks. If I drive by a similar looking area that looks similar to the accident site, I still get such crippling anxiety that I have to disassociate in order to not lose control. I have severe depression, and I don't know how I function and survive to be perfectly honest. I've run the gamut of emotions over this incident. I have lost friends, relationships, and isolated from my family. Why? 
I don't feel I deserve what was taken away from others. I'm slowly killing myself daily over it because I can't find any meaning in it. That's because there is no meaning. It was an accident and I don't know how to accept it and move on. I've done different types of therapy. I've taken medication. I've talked to many people about it and nothing has changed. The reason I write all of this is to please implore all of you to be safe when you are behind the wheel of any motor vehicle. I did everything I could to be careful and something horrible still happened. I can't even imagine being the same level of reckless I have seen other drivers who end up getting away with it with absolutely no consequences. I hope with every ounce of my being that no one ever experiences the type of pain and suffering that has become my everyday life and reality. I wouldn't wish this pain, guilt, or suffering upon my worst enemy. I used to work a strange overnight schedule. 10 hour shifts Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'd try and keep awake the same hours on my days off, especially on Thursdays. This was a pretty rural area, so there wasn't much open at those hours except a gas station that had a tiny cafe area. I didn't want to keep people in the house awake, so I spent a lot of time at the gas station. I'd usually read or talk with the cashier on duty. I think she felt a little safer having someone else there too. One night, a man comes in with a little boy and asks if they can use the bathroom. It's something like 3am. The kid looks sick or uncomfortable. To me, it looked like he'd been punched in the stomach. After they're in the bathroom, the cashier and I look at each other. She thinks there's something off about this too. I went outside to get a description of the vehicle. After they leave, we call the police. The local police passed it along to the county sheriff's department and a local officer came to the gas station. He asked us a couple more questions and we listened to his radio to hear what was happening. A county officer spots the truck and pulls it over. After the officer gets out of the car, the truck backs into it and takes off. The police pursue him. We didn't get a lot of details after that. He crashed or abandoned the truck. The truck was on fire and loose rounds of ammunition were going off in the truck. I believe the boy was somewhere safe because I didn't hear any more about him. The guy tried to swim across a small but deceptively treacherous river and he drowned. That was close to 20 years ago. If I remember correctly, he was the boy's dad but did not have custody. He was recently released from prison and the truck was stolen. At the time of the story, the man had been recently released from prison prior to stealing the truck and drowning. My wife and I were both very sick with the flu. My father watched our two small children and even came to sit with me in the hospital. The day after I got out of the hospital, he got the flu and died a couple days later. I still feel guilty knowing that he didn't have to sit with my children or that he didn't have to sit by my bedside, but he did. It helps knowing that he loved me so much that he was willing to put his life at risk to be with me. I just never imagined that the flu could have been so serious to be hospitalized, much less kill someone. I hold myself responsible and I feel guilty for getting him sick. When I was 18, I was working the night shift in a nursing home as an aide. Part of my job was to turn the paralyzed patients every two hours to make sure they didn't get bed sores. This one particular resident had late-stage Parkinson's disease, and her muscles and joints were stiff and brittle, and she was catatonic. As I was flipping her from one side to another, I applied light pressure to her leg to move her back a bit, and this snapped her femur. Given her age and health, the doctors decided that surgery was dangerous and she would have to heal on its own, if at all. Because of this, we can no longer flip her, which resulted in bed sores. She eventually went septic from those bed sores and died of septic shock. I always felt so bad about that. I haven't told many of my friends this story, but sharing it has helped wrap my head around what happened. It was about 3am on a Thursday last December. I lived in Fort Lauderdale at the time. I was heading back from a party at my friend's house, pretty bleary-eyed. I had slept for a few hours and then got in my car. I was running out of gas, so I stopped at a gas station right off of I-95 before heading north to home. A guy walks up to me while I'm pumping gas and he asks for directions. He was older and a bit drunk. He came off as a yachty, and yachties aren't really common in that part of town. I had a bunch of yachty friends, so he didn't sketch me out, but I immediately kind of wrote him off. I told him to take I-95 North. He stumbles off and gets on his Vespa. 
Scooters are super common in South Florida, and then drives away. I go inside, get a drink, and then sit in my car for a few minutes, waking up before going. I hit the highway, and I'm cruising north when I see a ton of emergency lights coming down the southbound side. I remember thinking, oh no, something's going down. I start paying closer attention to the road in front of me, and there are lights in my rear view too, coming up really freaking gassed. What happened next was kind of a blur and is not work safe. There were recognizable body parts in the road. Part of an arm, an upper torso with the head attached, blood everywhere, bits and pieces of plastic and metal in the road, and lumps of flesh or organ or something. I didn't see any of it until I was extremely close, but the image is something that has really messed me up. I call my mom. She said I was incoherent and screaming about blood. Florida Highway Patrol checked my car, which had blood on it but no damage, the next day. And the officer explained to me an older white male on a scooter had gotten on I-95 North. He merged inappropriately and was hit by a dump truck, and his corpse was hit by several other vehicles, including mine. They closed I-95 for the entire morning, well past rush hour. The news article said that remains and debris were strewn across an area the size of a football field. I sold my car and moved. The first two months were very rough, but I'm feeling better now, despite shaking at the moment. TLDR, I told a stranger to take the highway. He did so on a scooter. I drove through the aftermath of my advice. 7-ish a.m. on a Sunday morning. I'm heading to work in a small town at the age of 15 or 16. Come over a crest on a hill and have no time to react. T-bone someone making an illegal U-turn in a driveway. All I remember is veering off to the right and damaging someone's stone wall after the hit, crawling out of the wreckage, out of breath, and stumbling to see if the other person was okay. Their vehicle spun multiple times and landed in a ditch facing away, but driver's side visible from where I originally was. Driver wasn't there. Move along the vehicle and check the other side. Driver is hanging out of the passenger side window with a steady stream of blood from their skull. Bottom line for me is that I ask and implore everyone, please use your seatbelt. My mom is Thai and my dad is American, so I spend most of the year in the US and summers in Thailand. When I was eight, my family and my cousin's family were at the beach in Cha'am. My cousin's son, James, and I had been playing in the ocean for hours by this time and we were both exhausted. Since we began playing, the water got much more violent with large waves as the thunderstorm was starting. As soon as my parents heard lightning, they yelled for us to come back to the shore and I just started swimming back without checking to see if James was following. When I walked up onto the sand, I looked back and I couldn't see him. We were much farther out than two eight-year-olds should have been, and James was too tired to keep himself above the water. I'm not sure what I could have done once I realized I couldn't find him, but I can't stop thinking about it. And when I go back to the condo there, I can't bring myself to get back into the ocean. Everyone responding has been incredibly supportive, and it means the world. I know realistically I couldn't change what happened, but that can't stop me from wishing I could. Thank you again to everyone for the kind words. Two years ago, my sister was working at a dealership. Her husband and I were spending the day together until it was time to pick up sis from work. So when it came time to get his gal, I took the keys and said, I'm driving. He was mad enough that he refused to go with me. When I came back with my sister, he was nowhere to be found, but it was common for him to go on walks to calm himself down, so we didn't think much of it. 8 a.m. the next morning, state police were banging on the door. They told us he was struck and killed by a train while he was sleeping on the tracks. That's not your fault. You didn't let somebody too drunk drive. That's what you're supposed to do. Was skiing with a friend when I was still living in Colorado. We were going a good speed and enjoying the mountain. When we came back onto the main trail, he was still going really fast. I yelled at him to slow down and an elderly lady ended up merging at the same time as he looked back at me. My buddy is a good-sized guy and ended up colliding with this old woman. The ski patrol ended up grabbing her from the mountain and she was clearly in a lot of pain. She ended up dying from her injuries a few days later. After her investigation, my buddy and the woman were both in the wrong. 
He had to pay some fines, but never got any sort of lawsuit. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories linked at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Genius, give Am I the Jerk a shot, linked in the description too. Either way, thanks a lot for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.